Ladies and gentlemen, splurgs and gurgs, it's the Sometime Somewhere show with Spank Starblinder. Here's your host, Spank Starblinder! it up for the Parsex, everybody! Hey there, folks. It's the Sometime Summer Show with Spank Starblinder. I'm your host, Spank Starblinder. All right, simmer down, simmer down. Thank you, thank you. All right, everybody, put your hands together for my first guest back from his seven-system tour. It's John Heckle! Oh, hey, everybody, hey, everybody. All right, all right, all right. You know, I was on Namira the other day. Those Namirans are a real fun bunch. Hey, you know what they call it when two Namirans conditionally help each other out? Squid pro quo. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a big fan of space travel. This last time I asked the captain, how often do spaceships crash? And he told me, oh, just once. Yeah, would hate to crash on an asteroid. I'm not a big fan of asteroids. Not just because the mylar, but because there's no atmosphere. Well, that's just about all for me, folks. Just gotta find my space car. Hope I didn't run out the meteor. Take care, folks. Funny, funny stuff. What do you boys think? Well, you know, Spanks, he wasn't quite my cup of speed. It wasn't Spritish comedy, but he was all right. What do you think, Bobby? I think he fucking sucked. <laughs> you can't say that on air. Let's bring out a guest. It's my pleasure to have him here. Two-time second place champion, Buck Butflaps! How's it going, Spanks? What a stupid fucking name. You smell of alcohol and strange purple women. You're just saying that because I got purple splooge on my mouth. You jealous? For me, it's just another spews day night, loser. It's splurge day. Who cares? It's all the same anyways. What can I say? Hopefully something more coherent. Oh, buddy, I'm coherent. I live my life dangerously, dangerously coherent. I can put together so many coherent sentences, you'd be like, what is this man? A dictionary of coherence? That didn't make any sense. That's the mystery. It's a little peek behind the scenes for you losers. What are you even talking about? Oh, my life's a mess, Spanx. I lost the Sprocket League championship to a fucking moron. Novissa Laser shredded my ankle so bad, coach said I'd never shift again. And Lisa left me. She was my ride or die, Spanx. Now I'm just traveling the hyper lanes in my sport S-150, living out spotels, plowing the lot lizards left and right. That is both human and lizard kind. What does it even mean, Spanx? What does any of it mean? I think it means it's time for a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> 
can you get me a beer or something? Maybe a spold fashioned. Quench your thirst in every system with Quixos, the intergalactic soda company that's out of this world. Our fizzy and refreshing drinks come in a variety of flavors that are sure to satisfy any spacer's cravings. From the fruity tang of nebula nectar to the zesty kick of comic cola, Quixos is a flavor for everyone. Our drinks are specially formulated to withstand the rigors of space travel, so you can enjoy a Quixos soda no matter where your adventure takes you. So whether you're exploring the depths of a black hole or just relaxing on a space station, grab a cold Quixos and enjoy the taste of the galaxy. Quixos, the soda that's truly out of this world. Thank you, thank you, everyone. We are back with none other than Trey himself. Everybody give it up for Trey. Thanks, Banks. It's great to be here, wherever it is here that we are. So everyone was absolutely blown away by your performance in the Sprocket Ball Championship. Uh, tell us, how did you come up with the name for your team, the Hot Dirks? Uh, well, Cal told me I probably shouldn't tell the real story. So um, basically, it's like, you know, a hot dirk through butter. We're just cutting through the competition. You know? Normally you don't tell us that that's not the real story, but all right, we'll move on. Speaking of Kala, where is she? Oh, uh, well, she has, like, some things that she needs to figure out, so we're, um, we're gonna be, you know, uh, she's doing that, so I'm doing my own thing, you know, hanging out with Badger and stuff, and, uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool, you know? So, no more hot dirks in the Sprocketball Championships? Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, we might... Well, I might, you know, decide to enter on my own. I, I was pretty good. I mean, I was, you know, Khaled did her part too, but really I just need like anybody who can drive half decently. And I, you know, I got, I got an arm on me. That final play did make it to the OSPN top 10 moments of the year. So I think people would like to see you. Any potential sponsorships in the works you can tell us about? Well, no one's really reached out to me yet, but I'm open to like anything. I mean, quick sows, uh, a hoolies, if you want to reach out, that'd be cool. Uh, Whoever makes whatever it is that goes into a flip-flop, uh, that would definitely be cool. I, I would be all over that. You know, Spanks, while, while I'm here, though, I'd really, really like to demo uh, my new rap album that I've been working on. I, I, think it'd be, I think it'd be really cool. I've been partnering with some really cool people like um, this guy Bryce, a uh, few others, and uh, I think you guys are really going to like it. So uh, if you don't mind putting it on, I mean... I'm sure the crowd would love to hear it. What do you say, for? Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 my song! Oh, oh, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, has anybody seen a scary tentacle arm monster looking thing? Guys, he's clearly not here. Let's go check another door. Hey, wait! Is that me? Who knew I was so handsome? What is happening to my show? Let's go to commercial. Have you been the victim of an unfair shooting? Has somebody stolen all your left socks? Where are all my left socks? Have you finally decided to cash in on your great-grandpappy twice-removed inheritance, but that feisty old ball and chain of his is getting in the way? Then call Blurk, Quirk, and Kirk's 24-hour law firm direct. Me and my brothers Quirk and Kirk have been studying law for six and a half weekends, and now we are prepared to defend you. Blurk, Quirk, and Kirk's 24-hour law firm direct is not an accredited law firm. Approved cases include but are not limited to unfair treatment of giggles, not theft, madness induced by the consumption of vast and inordinate amounts of ice cream, and copyright law. For your free 3,000 credit counsel session, call 222-222-222-222-222-222. 
It is my great, great honor to welcome onto this stage the creators of Omega Star 7. Runner, stop the press with all the fall. What the fuck you doing my Zeus, Zeus, it's not. You got Zeus, my hand not... out here. Paul, 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 shit. Paul, it's short answer. Where's my goddamn album? Hey! Folks, we're going to commercial break. We'll be right back. Thanks. Hi, everyone. My name is Luna, and I'm the voice of Calamastros. Um, a little about myself. For starters, I have known our director, Skylar, since we were kids, um, in case you wondered how I got the gig. And I have a beautiful dog and two weirdo cats that I post on social media in between recording sessions. I really love my time with the show, and I am so excited for y'all to hear what we're making up for you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Bumblebee Luna. You can come say hello, and I'm honestly going to leave my little message at that, because right now a cold is kicking my ass. So I love you all, and I will see you all in the sometime somewhere. And we're back, folks. I'll tell you what, you just never know what's going to happen here on the Spank Starblinder Show. It's always an adventure. Well, we are here with the creators of Omega Star 7, and we've got some questions for you folks here. Coming from the folks at home, the first question up is, what actually happened to Slip and Moxie at the end? <laughs> so my first question would be, what do you think happened to Slip and Moxie at the end of Outlander? Answering a question with another question. <laughs> right. Um, but I think <laughs> that we both have our own opinions of what happened. I'm happy to weigh in first, Skylar, if you want. Go ahead. I think that they went off on adventures of their own beyond the veil and just continued to explore the sometime somewhere. I was always very upset with the idea of them going back to mundanity. I was like, how did these two people who have like lived this crazy existence apart and then finally find each other just suddenly go back to like making coffee and having eggs for breakfast. I was like, that just doesn't make sense to me at all. So I like the idea that they like just decided to see what was out there and who knows, who knows what they found, but I like the idea that they did it together. My intention was to write it extremely open-ended. That last episode kind of touches on a lot of different realities all coming at once. So I really don't have a theory. What do you guys think? I, for whatever reason, think that the original Slip and Moxie, like, died. I don't know why that's my personal way of viewing it, but uh, for whatever reason, that's that's what I think is is most likely. And I, I'm not sure why that is. What that says about me as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so... Was the whole show at Jacob's Ladder scenario? Oh, no. Was it? Uh, I don't think Joe actually listened to the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot going on, all right? (laughs) (laughs) What's your theory, Joe? Tell us right now. I'm kind of at the same mindset where whatever they went off and did maybe didn't go so great, or just maybe they lived it out. Who honestly does know? I like that you just played both sides, so no matter what happens, you're going <laughs> to yeah. come out right. He's right. He's yeah. right. Either way. Yeah. Joe's right. Oh, go, my Joe. God. <laughs> oh, a lot to think about there. A lot to think about. And the folks at home, well, they've been thinking, and they want to know, next podcast collaboration, who's it going to be? When's it going to be? Can you tell us who's it going to be? No. <laughs> Is that the answer to this one? No. <laughs> Lots on the horizon. I don't want to spoil anything fun. No spoilers here. I get it. You're all veterans now. 
But before you started off with Omega Star 7, did any of you have any experience with writing, acting, any sort of uh, other creative endeavors? Three out of the five of us here are performing musicians. That's something, but I would say when it comes to acting, me personally, no. We're all big tabletop people, which is kind of where a lot of the role playing comes from. But yeah, I wouldn't say like any kind of like dramatic performance for me, at least. I was a a theater kid and a show choir kid (laughs) in high school. You're a fucking nerd. Yeah, same, same, same here. (laughs) Big same. I was telling one of my friends that like uh, they were asking about the podcast and what a lot of people when I tell them I'm in this podcast and when they check it out, like especially people through work. They're always like, what? <laughs> and one of, somebody I know is like, what, so there's a couple of people that are like sci-fi nerds are like, oh, I really like your podcast. It wasn't until I started like uh, working on this with Skylar, I felt like it was calling back to that. And I haven't done anything acting wise since then, other than like Skylar mentioned, I'm a, I'm a musician. I did that for a while, but not since high school have I been in like a play or something, but it's the same kind of thing. And I feel like I get in that same kind of mindset. Uh, I, so I did theater. I did theater through high school, through college, through my twenties. And then I had children and I never had time to do theater anymore. And then this came about and I had forgotten it. Like I hadn't done it in so long. You forget that, like that feeling I get to do this thing that makes my heart happy. So I don't know. It just speaks, right? I started acting, uh, I think in kindergarten was my first role. Uh, I think I played Christopher Columbus or some other awful person. That's Pocahontas. Um, I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I did, I did all the musicals in elementary school, the plays in middle school, skipped my freshman year of high school for some reason, did all the musicals there, uh, did acting classes during the summer in middle school, and then would do like improv stuff with my friends in my early twenties, then um, just at like college and just out and about like doing like stupid like skits and stuff like that. I mean, like, so I surprisingly, cause I didn't know any of you guys when I was in school, I met y'all way later in my twenties. Um, so like might be some shock to some of y'all, but like I used to do, I did theater. I was in choir, jazz band. Uh, I danced uh, for a few years. I even did it competitively for a little while really fell out of it though like my junior year then I just kind of like I always wanted to go and do something similar and then after I met you all and we did the original Omega Star, it really like sparked something and I was like I fucking love this I want to say one thing Joe because I met you during a tabletop game that Skylar put on and uh, you were like the only one that was into it <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it was the only reason I got into it is because you were like, everybody else was like kind of casual and you were like into it. And I was like, oh shit, I need to be into it. <laughs> I, 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 that makes me feel good to know that I, 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 in a way inspired you to get really heavy into it. That was my first tabletop game ever. Was that really? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. What a fun story. Because that does, that does bring an element. Like, I didn't mention that with me, but, like, yeah, like, role-playing does bring a certain element of, like, I'm going to play this character. Like, role-players do it all the time. I mean, there's all sorts of actual plays who present this, and they play characters all the time. They're not doing audio drama, but, and this is how this show started. Like, that's, that's a big thing. I am this person for the next two hours while I roll this dice. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of rolling dice and uh, tabletop role-playing games... This show actually started off as an actual play. 
How did it evolve over time into what it has become today? We've answered this question a lot, I think. Uh, both in the question. last Q&A. And this is the last time we're doing it. <laughs> Don't ever ask us again. <laughs> Take your fucking notes. <laughs> Remember it. For fuck's sake, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's it fun. was very, very tough to do an actual play. It was super taxing. It was like three, four hours a night, five days a week, just to like get it, get it to a point where I was happy with it. I was chopping like 20, 30 minutes at a time out of an episode. Like when we did recordings, those were 45 minutes to an hour long, and there was three hours of recording I had to go through. It fell apart in a way that we, you know, I, I told the story enough that we're like, okay, we need a break. Coming back, you know, the show fell apart and just stayed dead. One year went by, met James, you know, we were playing in a band together, and I said, hey, I was in this actual play podcast. I'm thinking about doing it like an audio drama because it's such a deep story. And there, it, it used no lore from anything else. Like I wrote so much lore and I just had a bunch of ideas. We kept the improv, which is good to answer the question directly, kept the improv for a very long time, uh, took out the dice rolls because that was what started all the issues with like chatting yeah. and talking. and That caused the mayhem. Yeah, mechanics are the worst. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then. What are the chances of you all doing a one-off actual play? Not slim, but not on the horizon. All right, we're going to take a little break to hear a word from our sponsors. But when we get back, folks, we've got more questions with the creators of Omega Star 7. Hi, everyone. It's your friend, Han Pandler, with Stars for Hope. I'm once again asking for your aid. You see, Omega Star 7 has fallen on tough times. Our glorious creators have been driven apart by the frivolous pursuit of fulfillment in their daily lives. And they've left us all alone. We need you to donate your rates and reviews so we can show our gods that we are worth keeping around. If not for me, do it for my friends, Steve, Hi, and Harvey. Bagok. Help us forge a new future for the sometime somewhere. Please donate now. Trey and Cal's relationship. How did that develop over time? What choices were made there? And uh, are there any connections there between Slip and Moxie's relationship? A. All the listeners love toxic relationships, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently they like it a lot. We're not going to stay together. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. did, you, did you pay attention to the show at all? Um, but the second half is yes. Um, I sought out telling Slip's backstory without showing it. Not just their relationship, but like how Slip and Trey mirror each other as Trey being young Stupid, making dumb choices, and then you know he had someone with him. Trey never made a dumb choice. Yeah, okay, <laughs> never. Oh, ever. How dare you? Not once. <laughs> I, when you said the toxic uh, relationship part of this, I, honestly, I think the most compelling thing about Trey and Kala is if you've ever had a relationship with somebody where you really like them, but for some reason it never lined up. 
that's what that whole relationship was. And to me, that was the most compelling thing about it is was like, holy shit, no one ever tells that story. That's also a good point. Very often. Yeah. Or they eventually end up together. And I'm like, man, that's like sometimes really not at all how it works. It's just this weird wrong dance time, of wrong like, place, almost, right? almost. Yeah. yeah and that exactly. thing like, you know, we've always written the show to be super open ended because just because I or, you know, Luna wrote a character a certain way does not mean it has to be that way. I mean, we've tried really hard to not push our agendas on this show in any way and our beliefs and stuff like that. We try to keep it subjective. And I think just seeing like the dichotomy between me and Graham's answers shows just how different you can take the show. Kala, Kala had a very complex journey through like the show. Yeah. I don't know. The whole Trey and Kala thing is just very real. I think, too, with um, Trey and Kala, like, Trey's initial attraction was entirely superficial. Like, there was, he did not need to know a single thing about her whatsoever. It was just purely the tentacles, you know? Like, that's all <laughs> he cared about, really. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but then, as time went on, I think he really did come to truly care about her, like, as a person, and I think there is an element of him trying to better himself for her, which I don't always think is the best thing, um, which might also be part of why it played out in that, you know, trying to better yourself is always a good thing, but there needs to be an element of wanting to better yourself for yourself, I think, in order for it to actually stick. Um, and I think I tried to, you know, convey that too, or I think we try to convey that too, that like, Trey kept, you know, trying to be better, but wasn't the best at it. And I think a lot of it was because he was doing it for, you know, Kala. And he truly didn't want that for himself, at least not at that point in a lot of cases. But I kind of like how the growth with Trey happened because he was like, I'm all in with this girl. Yay. She's amazing. And in the process of her not being the greatest option, he found himself. I, I like I like mm -hmm. that dichotomy myself. Like, I thought that that was truly sweet and romantic in its own sense, not between the two of them, but for him as a person. We all know it was about Solid Madge. Let's just be real. Damn right it was about Solid Madge. <laughs> yeah! No, they are my heart. I ship them so hard. I ship them That's... so hard. And I'm going to say this, Wander and Badger... I love them so much together. Like the fact that we put them together was my favorite thing. And not because I played Wander, please. That is not it at all. The thought that Badger, this like goofy ass, whatever he was, like found true love just makes my heart just so very happy. Star-crossed lovers in the stars. All right. So people want to know why titanium balls into Trey's nuts during training? Nothing harder available. <laughs> I feel like I know who asked this question too, and that really uh, yeah, makes my brain <laughs> tickled. Because <laughs> he's no a menace. comment. <laughs> because it's funny. No That's why it's, it's funny. Get harder? the fuck over it. Also, when Skyler was shooting me in real life to get yeah, those noises yeah. out of me, um, the I, titanium uh... was all we had available. <laughs> the show, especially in the final few episodes, really seemed to take quite a turn, especially when it came to Slip and Moxie. What was the creative decision behind that? So really, we had we had a lot of plans for how we wanted Slip and Moxie to go. We talked about different ways, and like some stuck, some didn't. And eventually, it's just how it. It's really just how it played out. Like what felt organic, 
and eventually just got to that place and we were like, yeah, no, this is what makes sense. Like, this seems like what would happen. And, you know, it's, you speak to what's in your heart and you're like, we're telling their story. Um, it's always been their story, not ours. We're just playing their parts. And so I, I always liked hearing what they had to say. The Ballad of the Outlander certainly was a large story, but the sometime somewhere is a large, large place. Are there any things or places or other inhabitants of the sometime somewhere that you didn't get to explore that you wish you had or maybe you will in the future? I have an opinion. I, I'm kind of sad we don't know more about Vox. Like, he seemed very terrifying to me in a way because he was an overseer and he was Vok. And, like, we talk about Vok all the time. And we you describe Vok's office very well in the last episode of Session Zero. But it's not in the new season, but his character is very, to me, especially as Moxie, playing her, a very terrifying character. So it's just very, I'm a little sad there wasn't more of either him or his species would be my way in. It wouldn't have worked, obviously, how the story was told, but I, I guess I would have liked to see more of like how space travel worked in a way. You know what I mean? Like we have, like we know how it works. I can tell you it. James and I have talked about like, you know, because obviously it's a it's a space fantasy, but there has to be some kind of suspension of disbelief. So that's my thing. I hadn't thought of this before, but I love cyborgs um, a lot. And uh, there aren't really any like true cyborg characters in the show so much where they're like, I guess there, there are some some physical augmentations, but not really any mental augmentations, and that's something that I always enjoy. I don't know if it's just my bad memory, but I honestly don't know if we ever... Did we ever discuss Madge? Not her history, no. Well, we discussed yeah. her history, all right. No. <laughs> I mean, no, we haven't, and that Mad anthology Madge. may be coming out, so you back yeah, off. Like, I, I, what? I, Mad what? Madge is what? the Mad Madge anthology? <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with doing that. <laughs> oh my goodness, Mad Madge Furry Road, his her journey. To furry love. Road? Did you just say Furry, furry Road? Furry Next road. question, Spanks. God now. All right, all right, all right. The world wants to know when are you releasing Bar Rescue in Space? Right now. Running a barn isn't just a business; it's a science. And nobody knows more about bar science than John Taffer. I don't embrace excuses. I embrace solutions. Over the past 30 years, John has transformed thousands of failing bars across the sometime somewhere. You call this black? How do you even fuck up black? It's rotted fruit in a damn barrel. John turns money pits. You're telling me this guacamole's made of rat droppings? Into money makers. Sir Ebob! Mm. Not bad! Yeah, hi! This is John Taffer with Bar Rescue! This week we're going down to the Rusty Sprocket! A dusty old joint on Dusty Old Exodus that's in dusty old desperate need of my professional help! Now, let's get on in there and see what kind of mess they're in! Oh my goodness! Look at this floor! There's so much sand, blood, congealing drinks, and hints of urine! 
so much filth on this floor that I can't even tell what color it is. Hey, who the space fuck are you, John Taffer-looking ass, coming in here with your camera crew, rudely remarking on my floors and shit? Like, what the fuck? You don't do this to a guy. Is that the skeleton of the guy that one-shot Slip murdered back in, like, episode two? What the hell is that still doing here? Hey, get your grubby little mitts off my coat rack, eh? And what do we have here? Behind the bar! Ah, come on, bozo. Are you illiterate or something? Because clearly you did not read the big fat fucking employees only sign right there next to your big fat fucking forehead. Come on! Expired! 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 You've got all expired drinks back here you're serving to the customers of this fine establishment. As you can probably tell by this laser rifle I'm pointing at your fucking forehead, I'm no longer in a jovial mood, my friend. Now cut it, quit it, and shit it before I pop a cap in your ass, beat your ass, and then throw your ass the fuck out of my bar, eh? You ain't the only fella back in heat here, Mikey. Now you better cooperate before I shut it down! Hey, that's my equally filthy ceiling. Wait, how'd you know my name? Mikey, you fuck. We talked on the space phone last week. Wait, 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 wait. You're the John Taffer? <laughs> oh my god, I thought you was just some snapperhead who looked like him. Now that introductions are out of the way... Let's rescue this bar! Mikey D's, are you ready to see the new and improved Rusty Sprocket? Oh boy, Mr. Taffer, I'm as giddy as a kid on Spriggles Bot Morning. Let's do it! Alright, on the count of three, everyone, everyone turn around and look at the bar. You're all, you're not peeking, right? Alright, one, two, three! The second I walked through that door, the first thing I noticed was how sticky and grimy the floor was. So we gave the place a good old deep cleaning from top to bottom. Now would you look at that shine. My good friend Bob runs a dive bar in East West Brunswick Prime, a couple systems down. And he was the best guy we could get on such short notice to come give the Rusty Sprocket kitchen staff a crash course on Good Eats. Uh, yeah, hi, it's me, Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I, I taught him how to make burgers. Then we installed a brand new security system to help crack down on those dastardly dining bashers. The Taffer Security System, or TSS for short, patent pending, uses facial recognition technology to determine who hasn't paid their tab yet. And if a patron decides to leave without paying, the TSS will zap them with 69,000 volts straight to the testicle sack. Hey, those flip-flops ain't free, kids. John, by George, you've done it again. It's what I do, Mikey. It's what I do. Now I must be on my way. For as long as failing bars exist in the sometime somewhere, John Taffer will be there. Farewell! Goodbye, John Taffer. I'll never forget you. This episode of Bar Rescue is brought to you in part by Stars for Hope.
back. So, why'd you kill off Saul? Joe, do you have anything to say? Yeah, Sky, Sky and I talked about it a lot. Like, we, we always discuss, like, hey, like, if, if we need that, if we need that character that we need to just, like, to set something in motion, if we need to kill somebody off to set something in motion, I think it should be Saul. Because Saul, and from all we know, Saul, Saul's lived a life. Saul, Saul went through a lot of it. Uh, Saul had a lot of good times. Saul's job, for all we knew, for how we took it, Saul's job was done. Saul made sure Slip was going to be okay on his own. Uh, that, was, that was the biggest, biggest plan. And when once Slip was set, it was any time now. And at that point, we finally had that scene where it was, all right, here's, here's where we can do it. I was like, all right. And, I, and one thing I had said was like, Slade has to die. I said, but he has to take somebody with him. He has to, for, for, it, for his death to be worth it. Not that it wasn't, I mean, he was a bastard, but like, <laughs> that's, it was me, Sky, and Chrissy all on a call together. And I was like, he's got to take somebody with him. He's got to take somebody with him. Yeah, I remember that because night because I was then, like, wait, are we killing somebody off? Wait, is this a thing we're doing? And we started yeah. to discuss it, and I was like, "Well, and then oh fuck!" And then Sky, Sky said, "Well, we could kill Saul." Yep. And it just so happened that like you were, and I was like, "And I was so mad." Going to hate so us, mad. and that's okay. Let's remember <laughs> why Saul died. Calla stole the ship, and she paid the consequences. Long and short of it, we knew we needed to kill somebody off, and we were like, "What store? Which?" person makes the most sense. Well, at least it wasn't me. Though I suppose there is season two. Speaking of which, what changes are you making as far as acting and audio production going into season two? I mean, the one thing I'll say is I think from like the production side, um, we might take things slower because it was a it was a sprint at times, especially for me, Skylar, and Chrissy when we're putting everything together. Those last three and episodes. And there were times sure. where it was yeah. like I mean, or even just in general of just like when, when we split production duties, it was rough sometimes just because like we all have real lives and jobs and families and stuff. So it gets complicated. But having time to like execute things the way we want to, I think, is one thing that's going to be different. So the production value will probably be better. And I don't do any of the sound engineering. That's Skylar and Graham's jobs. I cut everything and then give it to them. And then they'll send it back to me after they've touched it. And it's, oh my God, the difference is, it's just breathtaking. And so I'm very excited for them to have more time with them to make them sound the beauty that I know that they both can create with these episodes. So that would be my takeaway. I believe that everything moving forward is less about experimenting and more about refining the things we've introduced throughout the entire season. Really try to hammer home like what makes the show great? We got really good at writing now. <laughs> yeah, I always joke. I'm like, or, what's like we're actually good way at this better. shit. <laughs> I didn't say any of that. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I'm certainly looking forward to it. And speaking of season two, will we see more of Slip? Yes. But will we see Slip canonically now? Perhaps. Fair enough. 
We do know that there's going to be at least one more season, but do we know how many more seasons this show is going to run? No. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. Yeah. Really, we don't know. All right. Well, in that case, what is next? Hang out, find out. Well, there you have it, folks. The creators of Omega Star 7. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone out there, please stick around because we have a special, special appearance for you coming up right next. You want to know what I love about Omega Star 7? I'll tell you. Relentless positivity. Open acceptance and a willingness to just go there. There's a community that forms around OS7 that's not just about making audio drama. It's about mutual support and understanding and encouragement. And it's also about making a really cool show and letting everyone contribute to the creativity and the flow and the process. It's pretty cool stuff. And I'm really happy to have been a part. Jordan W. Anderson here. Just wanted to share some of the love for Megastar 7. Um, I cannot overstate just how much you can see the love for these characters that the creators have. It comes across not only in the writing, but just in how this group of friends portrays these characters and how much heart they have. Um, For my personal experience, I had a blast working with this team. If these upcoming episodes are just even a taste of what we can see in the future of Omega Star 7, I am all for it. Here we go, let's go! I really enjoy Omega Star 7 because of how immersive it is. You find yourself as a listener really connecting with the variety of complex characters that the story has made. It's also refreshing to hear from strong female characters who all have different motivations and are interconnected with this complex and interesting universe around them. It was really refreshing to hear this unique audio drama for the first time, and I cannot wait to share what's coming in the future. Hey all, it's Kia Joe here from the No Return podcast, and also the voice of Vex Arden on Omega Star 7. And I'm here to tell you what a wonderful show Omega Star is. Now, a lot of people think that it's a really super serious space opera about a sexy, psychic space pirate, and I can see why they might think that Vax is the real hero and star of the show, but the truth is, other people were there too. I'm kidding, of course. Now, what I really love about the show is how well it balances its comedy and its wit with its story and feels. All of it, as well, is set to an absolutely banging soundtrack of original music. And everything from the voice actors to the soundscape to the world building just screams quality. So if you want to laugh, weep and get tingles down your spine, this is the show for you. So check out Omega Star, check out the amazing talent and creative genius behind it. You won't regret it. Hey, this is Ed from Inspector. I just wanted to say that Omega Star 7 is genuinely one of the funniest and surprisingly deepest audio dramas that I have ever listened to. It's extremely creative, and the world building is just incredible. Between the storylines, the characters, and the in-universe TV and radio commercials, you know, this the world is just so fully fleshed out, and it's done in such a fun, unique way. And I do have to say, it is most definitely the most heartfelt show that is also full of nut jokes. It's TT from Space Castle here, and man oh man, what can be said about Omega Star 7 that hasn't already been said by the greatest podcast critics and the most renowned sci-fi experts in the world? It's probably my favorite podcast, honestly. The way that Skylar and the crew just masterfully marry 
music and sci-fi and pop culture and drama and comedy and just this amazing sense of awareness when telling a story with nothing but just the audio medium is nothing short of masterful. And it's amazing every time I listen to it. Skylar and Chrissy and James and the rest of the crew, I don't even know how we became friends. You guys all just sort of magically appeared in my life one day and it just feels like you've always been there. It's amazing. You're great, wonderful people. I'm so thankful to have you as friends. And I'm just super impressed and continuously amazed by what you guys are able to do. You're so wildly talented. I'm so incredibly proud of you guys. And I cannot wait to see where Omega Star 7 goes from here. And I know this is longer than 30 seconds, but fuck you. I'm DT from Space Castle. I can do what I want. Alright folks, alright folks, I know you can see him. Here he is, it's Slip! The Sometimes Summer Show with Spank Starblender. I'm Spank Starblender. Did you just say that like that was a normal thing to say? So tell me, Slip, where did you go? Bit of a personal question, isn't it? Let's backtrack a little bit. Why did you decide to bring Trey along on the Outlander? He had to fix the QPD. And perhaps I didn't want to see him get locked up in the EMC. And so, you had met him doing a job on Palcorna. What happened there? Care to share? Sounds like a story for another day. Well, what about Thorg? He was kind of just there one day. And you didn't think twice about it? It's kind of the thing about Eldritch Abominations, isn't it? Fair point. What about Kala? Didn't get a say in that one, but I'm glad she was along for the ride. And what a ride it was. Tell me, if you could change anything, what would it be? Hmm. Nothing. Even the whole nut thing? Especially the whole nut thing. So, was it all worth it? Well, that depends on what you think worth it is. It was a story, and sometimes we don't always get to choose the stories we tell. Sometimes we get none at all. I'm glad I got the chance to have something to show for it all. And is this the end of your story? I think the end of one story is just the beginning of another. What's next for you, Slip? Whatever's after this. Don't you fear the mystery? Some people fear the dark, the mystery, because of what it might say about them. To me, though, the mystery is the best part. There you have it, everyone. You've been great. And now, folks, Zoots McKenzie. She packed my lunch last night. All right. Spiro Hour, 9 ZM. And I'm gonna be bright as a star by then. A can of beans, see? Tastes just fine. A 
black to wash it down. On such a mindless flight.
That's got me feeling some kind of way.